Hey everybody and welcome to episode 377 of Good Luck High Five. That's right. We are a podcast for you, no matter where you play Magic the Gathering inside of your own home. Playing it in the living room? Awesome. Playing it in the kitchen? Great. Playing it on the floor of your bathroom? Been there. (laughs) I'm one of your hosts, Maria. I'm another one of your hosts, Megan. And on today's show, we couldn't be more ecstatic to bring you the Ikoria Lair of Behemoths pre-release primer with our great friend, Judge Rob. That's right. We are bringing you Judge Rob all the way from his own home where he will also be recording. Um, And yeah, we would not, even in the midst of a pandemic, we would not think of letting you go without your Judge Rob primer for this pre-release or this regular release or this mixture of release events. This mixed salad of various release events. Um, You're still going to probably have a lot of questions, right? This set is very complicated. Oh boy. I think think that we're going to maybe have the most questions we've ever had about the way that a certain mechanic works, which is not bestow, but bestows stranger and yeah, even somehow stranger cousin, (laughs) somehow stranger cousin mutate. Yeah. When they're at a, when they're at a family gathering together, everyone who used to think that bestow was kind of weird (laughs) is now just like, never mind, you're normal, but look at this guy. (laughs) Isn't that great when you're with your family and you realize, oh, wait, there's somebody here weirder than me? I guess I can't really say that that's great because that has literally never happened. I've always been the weirdest. I don't think I've ever had that sensation either. But wouldn't it wouldn't it be great? Like hypothetically, (laughs) hypothetically, it would be like a huge relief, you know. okay, but, you know, you do know the feeling of when you're at a family gathering and the person who's like most approaching your level of weird isn't there yet. And then they arrive and you're like, oh, thank goodness. Yes, absolutely. You're like, just like, so you're like palpably relieved that you're like, oh, the other person who is as the strange as I am is here. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for it. Megan, Anyways, so like that. I, I got to ask you for a quick um, self-quarantine coronavirus update because we haven't talked about it on the show for like yeah. a couple of weeks. So like, how is it going? Oh, boy. Um, I am. I'm pretty much I'm really bouncing around between different levels of stir crazy. Yeah. Um, I really, really miss going out and doing things. Um, I miss hugs. <laughs> I oh, would yeah. I would hug a stranger right now and that's usually not in my repertoire but i would you know people who are not huggers before this are going to be huggers after this yeah i um yeah and you know i'm like i'm i'm bored of all the food that i eat i mostly eat carrots and hummus now because at least i don't have to cook it <laughs> i can just eat it so and Easter what about you <laughs> yeah well, um, yeah, things are going okay over here in quarantine uh, Bartholdi house. I did burn myself pretty bad while cooking the other day, which yeah. is, you know, classic quarantine injury. Am I right? Um, yeah. You know, um, I, I bet someone else $5 that it was a bacon injury. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, you were so um, close. It was sausage. I know. I know. I now know the story and I'm so sad, but I will say that the story that you told me did still have bacon in the entire story about yeah. the sausage and the yeah. burn. The, the whole reason that I had the sausages is because I went to pick up bacon. <laughs> so I feel like I was like some, like I wasn't a hundred percent correct, but I was on the right track. <laughs> yeah. And like I bought a pound of bacon and I ate it within two days and um, it's becoming an issue. <laughs> I don't want 
to tell you what to do with your life, but I am a little bit worried about that <laughs> bacon consumption. Like, I'm pretty sure I ate 4,000 calories yesterday. <laughs> Fairly certain. Fairly certain. Well, you know, that's for future yeah, Maria to worry about. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know what? Post-quarantine figure it out we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out but yeah we're super excited to yeah. have judge rob here and to go through ikoria with you so that wherever you're playing you feel confident about your plays and you know how to handle any given situation um so yeah we're gonna bring him on in a second but quickly before we do it's time to say thank you to everybody who helps keep the show doing what it's doing every single week week in week out and that is the people who support us as patrons on patreon.com slash glhf magic thank you Yes, thank you a million times over. Um, we cannot wait to get into the office and mail all of our new Patreon family members their beautiful good luck high five pins. Um, I have over here the tote bags that we made that we oh, yeah. we gave away back in January, and I have finished sewing and are now just here sadly in my home, Aww. waiting for the day that they can that they can be put in the mail over in our office. Um, so yeah, thank you to everybody. It really just does mean the world to us and i want to um, say thank you too especially to everybody who's remained a patron who joined for patreon pledge drive month and like there's nothing in the rules that says oh once you know you can you can drop out or whatever right after you become a patron and pay your five bucks and then you can get out we have maintained our level of patronage since patreon pledge drive month month with which i think is absolutely incredible so thank you yeah. so much for not just like joining and dropping to get your award, um, but continuing to help us in these super tough times and our um, loss of income because of the cancellation of events. It really, really means a lot. So I just want to say we see you. Yeah, it means the world to us. Thank you. And of course, thank you to Card Kingdom because they are having our back during this tough time as well. Yes, um, a wonderful place. And I know that, you know, things out in Washington are still, for the most part, pretty closed down. Um, but once they are opened up again, we highly recommend getting things from Card Kingdom. Just truly, really wonderful, kind, community-oriented people out there. Yeah, absolutely. And if um, you want to put some orders through, you can. They're still like delaying their shipping, but uh, they will get to it as soon as they can. You can head to cardkingdom.com slash GLHF. That's our affiliate link. And you can say good luck have a token or good luck have sticker, and they'll add that to your order as soon as they're able to ship things out. But I can't say enough great things about them. They're continuing to support us even while their store is closed down. That is huge. Yes. That is absolutely huge because not all companies are doing that. And so if no. you want to support a great place that supports your hobby, Card Kingdom is really the place you should go. All right, everybody, it is time to talk about Ikoria and get ready for the pre-release events coming up this weekend with none other than Good Luck High Five's very own favorite judge, Judge Rob. Welcome to the show. Hi, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, excited about Ikoria. Excited about the land of Godzillas. <laughs> <laughs> Tis indeed the land of Godzillas. And um, by excited to be here, we obviously all mean in our own homes. <laughs> yes. Uh, welcome to my house. I have pictures on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> can and confirm. So, can confirm, everyone. Rob does indeed have pictures on his wall. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I panned up to them with my camera. Oh, okay, great. Uh, Thank so, you. So, yep. So, you, you can see that, like, I my original stuff. So, uh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about this set, oh. and I, I'm gonna gonna warn you in advance that it has the single most complicated mechanic ever printed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> but Rob, uh, what about banding? 
so banding does two things. Mutate does and like if I if I were putting banding in a bullet point format, I could do it in four bullet points. Uh, Mutate is twenty five. Uh, <laughs> in, the, in the release notes for the set oh from Wizards, God. there are twenty five bullet points about Mutate, and it misses some things. So uh, be prepared. All right, strap in, All everybody. Right. <laughs> be we're ready to go. Uh, before, Related to this. Oh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Rob. Say I, have a, I have a PSA at the start. Yes. Uh, as, as I usually do. Um, so my PSA is kind of multi-part. Uh, my, my big top line is, if you need help with something, ask for it. There's no shame in asking for help for something. If you need help in a tournament, call a judge or a store employee or ask for help from a neighboring table. Get help. Stuff's complicated in Magic. Magic is the most complicated rules of any game ever made. If you need help in the real world, ask. You have friends. You have enemies. Sometimes they'll help you just to spite you. It doesn't matter. You're getting help anyways. And so ask for help in magic, in life. Like, nobody's on an island. Nobody's alone. Uh, there's the kind of sarcastic phrase, we live in a society. Uh, but we do. We live in a society. <laughs> People are around. You have friends. Nobody lives alone. The fact that we have language tells you, and I can tell you to ask for help, tells you that we should be able to ask for help. So uh, that's my that's my high-level PSA pitch for the pre-release and everything. Oh. Everybody does it. There's no shame. That's Thank a great you, that's a great PSA. And something that I honestly need to remember quite often. <laughs> Before we get into uh, starting to review the set with Rob, I just want to say really quick um, that if you want to see Megan and I playing the set coming up here really quick, on Wednesday we are going to be part of the Early Access Streamer event. So starting at 10 a.m. Central, you can check out me kicking it off and then Megan will be coming into the office later. We're disinfecting in between all that good stuff over on Twitch.tv. So you can not only watch us play Ikoria, you can also watch what a disinfectant process for an office looks like yeah it'll be really fun it'll be really fun it'll um, be so much fun yeah we're playing over on twitch.tv slash glhf magic on wednesday for the early access streamer event so that'll be really really cool and then you can catch us again on saturday because we'll be playing in the loading ready run post pre-release the first time it's a post pre-release and not a pre-pre-release uh we're all <laughs> doing that all digitally as well playing with members of the loading ready run family megan will be playing with surge and with uh who else are you playing with blake Blake. Blake from Wizards of the Coast and I'll be playing with Marshall and Kathleen and we'll be both uh, rounding out that broadcast on Saturday evening and that's at twitch.tv slash loading ready run. Okay, that's our little PSA for where you can find me and Megan playing the new set coming up here immediately and now back to your regularly scheduled Rob programming to talk about some returning <laughs> mechanics. Infinite rules. So let's start with the, the easy one. Well, let's return a bunch everybody's favorite mechanics. Cycling. Yes, uh, it is like, though. Yeah, if you've been playing for more than a couple of years, you've seen cycling. It is the thing that they keep going back to because it's just a great mechanic. Uh, I'm going to use Shark Typhoon from this set as my demonstrative cycling. Great. Because it's, it's great. Uh, blue and five, it's an enchantment named Shark Typhoon. So I'm going to start with the cycling component because it's what we care about. Blue one X cycling. Uh, blue one X discard this card, just draw a card. If it's in your hand, you can cycle it. You pay its cycling cost, which... In this case, it is a variable mana cost. You can pay as little as blue and one for this to cycle in. And when you do that, you you discard it, and then when that ability resolves, you'll draw a card. It's an activated ability, and so people can respond to it. They can plagiarize you so you don't get to draw a card. In Shark Typhoon's case, it has something that they do pretty often, which is stuff that triggers based on cycle. 
Uh, Shark Typhoon, its its ability while it's in the battlefield is whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create an XX blue shark creature token with flying, where X is that spell's converted mana cost. That's a triggered ability based on casting the spell. It, and just like that, if you cycle it, it's triggered ability based on you cycle. When you cycle Shark Typhoon, create an XX blue shark creature token with flying. Both of these are triggers. Both of these trigger before the thing happens. So when you cycle, you pay the cycling cost, you discard it, it will make the cycling trigger. You will make a shark before you draw a card. So if you, if it's your last card in hand and your opponent has some interaction with your cycling on the stack, eh, you don't get that card before you get to interact. Uh, likewise, your shark typhoon that makes a token will make a token before the spell that triggers shark typhoon. So if you need your shark for some reason to be able to counter their spell, you won't have that shark. Good gotcha. to know. I, I do yeah. love this card. We talked about it yeah, a little bit on the episode last week and uh, cannot wait to see it in action. Yes. As you <laughs> mentioned, there are probably copyright reasons it's not a shark name. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to jump to the the cycle of Mythos cards. So there are a bunch of there are five of these Mythos cards, uh, one for each color, and then it talks about its enemy colors. I'm going to talk about the Mythos of Rokos. It has a mechanic we haven't seen since, I think, original Ravnica block, which is if an off-color was spent to cast the spell. So Mythos of Brokos costs green, green, and two generic mana. It's a sorcery, and it says if blue-black was spent to cast the spell, search your library for a card, put that card in your graveyard, then shuffle your library. Then return up to two permanent cards from your graveyard to your hand. All of these say if some mana that isn't in the mana cost was spent to cast the spell. What that means is if, as that generic cost, you spend those two colors, you will search your, you'll do the thing that it says. And the spell resolves in order, so with the mythos here, you will search your library for a card, put it in your graveyard, and then you return up to two permanent cards, which might be the card you just fetched. I uh, hope so. I, I wonder. <laughs> well, like, it, 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 there's circumstances where it might not be. You might have two Snapcaster mages in your graveyard, and you put a lightning bolt in there, and, you know, you're like, all right, we're doing it. Um, <laughs> Who knows? Uh, the other thing is that you have to cast Mythos of Brokos for this to be relevant. So if I cast Mythos of Brokos and then use like twin cast to copy it, the twin cast copy, I didn't spend any mana on. And so because I didn't spend mana on the twin cast copy, I won't get the bonus from the if was spent to cast the spell. It copies all the text on Mythos of Brokos, but Mythos of Brokos knows whether or not you actually cast it or whether or not it was just put on the snack as a copy. So if you for some reason, you're copying one of these Mythos spells. Then you're going to get you're going to get just the base effect, which is still pretty good. Yeah. Like a, a green green two to return two permanent cards from your graveyard. Your hand is actually quite a good rate. Anyways, like usually these things cost five. Um, and also, this doesn't exile itself like a lot of things. Like I gotta that. say that so, the the templating on this to me and my eyes slash ears uh, seems bizarre on these Mythos mm -hmm. cards, but um. It almost seems a little incomprehensible, but once you understand it, yeah. it's, it seems straightforward. Yeah once, you, yeah, once you figure out that it's secretly a gold card, but it's a gold card that isn't always a gold card. Oh, um, that's a good it, way to think about it. Yeah, because if you if you look at it and say this costs green, green, blue, black, uh, like you could cast that card and that card could do all the things that Mythos of Rokos does, right? You just look at it and you go, oh, that makes sense. It's like a surface for a thing you put some in your hand. Okay, cool. Um, and then sometimes you don't have to cast it as a gold card. You can play this in a mono green deck. I'll play this in a mono green limited deck. It's quite fine. So, yeah. 
All right, well, let's move uh, on to the one mechanic. The, the big one. Which is new and which is going to cause every problem in the game of magic ever to occur. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so mutate. Uh, my example card for this, I've chosen a super cute spider because it's going to be on the screen for like a year. Uh, so uh, Glowstone Recluse is my is my demo card for this. Glowstone Recluse is a 2-3 for green and 2, creature spider. Uh, its base abilities are reach, and whenever this creature mutates, put 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. Sick. And then there's this special weird box uh, that says mutate green and 3. Mutate is, if you can... It, if you cast a spell for its mutate cost, put it over or under target non-human creature you own. They mutate into the creature on top, plus all abilities from underneath it. Excuse me. That's the reminder text. It seems reasonably straightforward. If you've played since the first Theros, this is pretty close to Bestow. Or at least it looks like it. You all remember Bestow? Oh yes, yes. we love Bestow. Yeah, yeah it, you, it, it takes all the complicated parts of Bestow and keeps them. And all the simple parts of the stone and throws them away. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, it. Great, great, great. <laughs> mutating, it's an alternate way to cast your creature spell. Now we can have creature spells with targets, which is very strange. Um, it's the first time we've ever had creature spells in the stack that target things. So it's an alternate way to cast creatures. Uh, it's an alternative cost. If you've seen cards that allow you to do things instead of paying their mana cost, uh, this is the same as that. You choose the mutate cost instead of the normal cost. For the for the uh, glowstone recluse here, you're paying four mana instead of three. And if something tells you to cast something without paying its mana cost, you can't mutate it because that is paying an alternative cost of do nothing. So you have the choice between do nothing or pay the mutate cost. And you have to pick one. <laughs> gotcha. And so, if, for instance, yeah. if I was playing Fires of Invention, I could not mutate mm -hmm. creatures via my Fires of Invention. Let's confirm Fires of Invention's text, because that's the other thing, is there's a lot of... There's a lot of specific wordings on things that are weird. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, without paying their mana costs. So you have to choose which alternative cost works for, for your card. It's either going to be Mutate, or it's going to be the Fires of Invention cost. Gotcha. And so the, the other thing is other... Things that increase or decrease the cost will apply. And there's stuff in this set that increase and decrease the cost of your spells. So if something says that creature spells you cast cost one mana less, it'll decrease the cost of the mutate spell, regardless of whether or not you're casting it as a normal creature or whether or not you're mutating. Oh, that's wild. I don't know if I would have thought about that. Yeah, because yeah. it's a creature spell, right? Yeah. So it's it's a little unusual. <laughs> and so uh, then we start getting into the the kind of strange stuff. So, uh, you have to target a creature that is owned by the same person who owns the mutate spell. That's very specific. Uh, if I control, uh, or if I have a mutate card in my hand, I can target things that I own. If I take control of your creature, I can't mutate onto it because I don't own it. It didn't start the game in my deck. Yeah, and that would just take so, mutate and make it extra, extra complicated, and we're not going to deal with that. Well, no, no, no. Uh, there, there's good reasons for doing this, for, for limiting the stuff you own. Uh, note that this also means that if you somehow can cast your opponent's spells, uh, like say that you have um, used Hostage Taker to take a Mutate Creature hostage, you can mutate onto that their creatures with their Mutate cards, but not onto your creatures. Wild. Wild. <laughs> there, are, there are a couple of cards, like Robber of the Rich and Standard, that lets you play cards from your opponent. Yeah. Uh, if you take a Mutate card from them, you can't mutate onto your stuff with their Mutate cards. Okay. 
Uh, Great. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not, not necessarily what you might think. It gets weirder. Um, if the target goes away, so if I if I try to mutate this spider onto my egg, uh, then uh, because I, for some reason, have a golden egg. Uh, that's a creature, right? Or there's this new egg, right? I mutate onto it. I target it. In response, you kill my egg. My thing will still resolve. This is how, how Bestow worked. If your target got removed, Bestow would still resolve and it resolves a normal creature. This will do the same thing. It resolves as a normal creature, not mutating the thing. Once you do resolve it, you get to make a choice. You decide whether your creature is a top or whether your creature is a bottom. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be like some that's... flavor fails here, I, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, if your creature is a top, then it gets to keep its power and toughness and name and type one. And mana cost. We'll talk about mana cost in a minute. It's relevant to our lives. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> um, if it's a bottom, it goes in the bottom of the stack. You can't put it in the middle. Creatures don't get to go in the middle of the stack. They just go in the very bottom. It doesn't matter. Anything that isn't a top, all you get is the abilities off of that card. So, if I mutate this spider onto something, and I put it on the bottom, then that creature gets reach, and whenever this creature mutates, put two plus one plus one counters on it. That last ability is relevant because whenever this, if this was the base creature that was already on the battlefield, or it's getting mutated onto something, that ability will trigger because it has that, it has that ability after the mutation, as the mutation is resolved, basically. And so, Glowstone Reckless, whether whether or not it's the top creature or the bottom creature, will trigger. Gotcha. And so, the, which is not necessarily intuitive to me, I will yeah. say. Yeah, think about mutate when as when you're casting it for the mutate cost as being a lot more like a combat trick or a aura. Okay. Um, don't think of it as a creature spell at that point. It's basically an aura that you're tacking on. And so, like, if an aura had whenever an aura becomes attached to this creature, draw a card. Uh, that aura became attached to this creature as it enters the battlefield, it draws a card. Yeah. Um, it allows you to basically play a pile of auras in your library without needing to not have creatures because they're always creatures on their other side. Really similar to the stone. Note though, that the muta mutation that's mutating onto your non-human is not entering the battlefield. That thing was already on the battlefield. It stays in the battlefield. It doesn't change. Even if it, what is on top of it changes, that thing's always been there. It's the same object. Any counters on it stay and it's summoning the status for whether or not it can attack it is is unchanged from what it was. I like to think about it as like it's physically mutating into another creature. Yep. That's how it worked yep. in my brain for it, for this yeah. kind of stuff to make sense. But but it's true even if the creature is the top or if it's the bottom. And so it doesn't it doesn't matter whether or not it's changing to be named uh, Glowstone Recluse or whether it's keeping its name of you know Bear Pup. <laughs> so the other thing abilities for mutate are tacked into the card's text box. For people who are rules geeks, they're beginning put in layer one, a copy of abilities layer. They're rewriting the layer rules very substantially. It's the biggest layers change in years, and it won't matter for almost anybody. What this means is it's the base characteristics of the creature. Anything that adds or removes abilities will add or remove abilities on top of those abilities. You think that this is something that isn't relevant except for Mystic Subduel is in this set. Enchanted Creature gets minus two, minus zero, and loses all abilities. And it reminds you, mutating onto the creature won't give it new abilities. It can gain abilities in other ways. Mystic Subduel wipes out every single mutate text box that's on a creature. 
Okay. <laughs> Good to know. And it, tell, it tries to tell you about it. Be aware of it. Yes. Um, and the and the weird things about this, you can also copy a mutated creature and get all of the text boxes together. Whoa. So if you clone a mutated creature, you get every single piece of text that's on that creature. I guess it makes sense wow. from my from my like little weird brain definition. If it's if it's just one big well, mutated creature, yeah, I guess you can copy it. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. All of my judge chats were angry about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, because historically, this is the first time that you ever had a mechanic that does a bunch of stuff in the in the copyable characters player, except for more. So here's the weird thing. I talked about how this is like the stone. Mm-hmm. It's actually under the hood a lot like Morph. Because right. Morph, when you play something face down, overwrites the abilities of a creature with, I'm a 2-2 with no abilities and no name. Yeah, it's that's very true. It's the same but it got overwritten by a bunch of blanks and a 2-2. Yeah. Okay. The, the, this is really close to the same. Yeah. It's the same creature. If you turn a Morph face up, it's the same creature, right? If yeah. you mutate under a creature, it's the same creature. Yeah. And so it's, this is kind of a weird amalgamation of morph and bestow which is not exactly where you want to be for a simple rules thing uh now we're going to talk about some oddball stuff so if oh you now we are creature, rob okay great oh, 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 oh yeah no all that other <laughs> stuff was super normal very normal the, yeah, wildly this is, normal this is the normal normal stuff about the ability <laughs> so uh, mutating stuff that leaves the zone that it's in um so if i have a mutated creature that is two things mutating together and you hostage take it it breaks apart and each part goes into exile separate. What? They're separate cards. Oh boy. In zones other than the battlefield, they they're they're separated. If you kill a mutated creature that is two uh, two creatures, one creature dies, but two cards go to the graveyard for things that care about cards going to the graveyard. Okay. Yeah, that makes if sense. If you yeah. if you aether gust a mutated creature to the top of my library, then the I will choose the, the player who controls the mutated thing choose or the player who is having it put in their library because it could be different players. The player who has the cards going into their library chooses the order. So if you either gust it up, I'll get to pick the order that they go on top of my library and you don't get to know what the order is. I know the order. I might have five things going on top of my library and I know it, but you know. Wow. Okay. If it's being tucked into the library, like say by, by Teferi who puts it third from the top, they go into the third from the top slot, like third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever, in the order of my choice. Okay. It's strange. Okay. Question. <laughs> yes. About Ethergust, because Ethergust says it can go on the top or on the bottom, right? You pick? Yep. Can you pick different things for each no. of the things? Okay. So like yeah. Ethergust, it it's like, this is yeah. one creature and you can only pick yeah. top or bottom for it, but you Correct. can pick the order within that. Correct. Okay. Uh, so you can so you can aether gust uh, something into my library. It goes into the top slot or the bottom slot, and then breaks apart as it's doing so. Think about it. <laughs> Horrifying. Horrifying. Oh um, boy. <laughs> uh, tokens. So let's say that you made a dinosaur cat token uh, because it's adorable. Yeah. Yes. And I now you to. want to I mutate to. something onto it. Now you get a choice. You can mutate on top of the dinosaur cat and get the new name and you can get, but let's say that your thing's like a one. You're mutating a one, one onto this dinosaur cat. You don't want to do that. You want the three, three power toughness. So you mutate onto the bottom of it. That whatever is on top, whether it's a token or not, determines if the whole object is a token. So you can have that dinosaur cat mutate onto the bottom 
and then underneath that dino and then play another mutate that's like a 5-5 and mutate on top of it. That token will stop being a token when you mutate on top of it. Oh boy. That's so weird, but yeah, I guess um, that makes sense. Okay, question. Yes. <laughs> Again. Yep. So you said if the token is on top and the one one, you know, like you mutated a one one underneath it. Yep, it's still a token. It's still a token. What happens yep. if that gets bounced to my hand? Uh, well, the token component vanishes and the non-token component goes to your hand. Okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> cool. Great. Uh, cool. Yep. <laughs> um, so if one of the so if you're playing Brawl or Commander and one of the components of a mutated thing is your commander, the whole thing is your commander. Okay. Or in Oathbreaker as well. If one of the components of a mutated thing is your commander, the whole thing, no matter where that thing is in, in the pile, is your commander. Okay. Um, so in this set, they made a choice, which is to have an animatable permanent. Something that you can temporarily turn into a creature and then have it stop being a creature. Reptilian Reflection. Have you seen this card? No, I'm going to look at it right now, though. Yeah. So Reptilian Reflection uh, is an uncommon. It's red and two to cast. Enchanted. Whenever you cycle a card, you may have Reptilian Reflection become a 5-4 dinosaur creature with Trample and Haste, in addition to its other types, until end of turn. It, it, this seems fine, right? Like, cycle a card, yeah. get a 5-4 dinosaur, yeah. and then it goes away. It, and it, it, like, it's Trample and Haste, so you might be able to make a hasty dinosaur for just 3 mana and a cycle. I, I like it. I like this card a lot. Yeah. Now, let's say that you cycle a card, turn it into a 5-4, and then mutate onto it. Because it's not a human, so you can mutate onto it. Yes. And you choose to have your mutated creature go to the bottom, because it's smaller. At end of turn, it stops being a creature, but it still has the mutated card and the text box of that tacked on. Wait, what? Go, go on. <laughs> because it has Reptilian Reflections text box, okay. and it has the text box of your mutate card, right? So it has the Glowstone Recluse's reach. Whenever this creature mutates, put two plus and plus encounters on it. Text. On top of Reptilian Reflections text. Next turn, you can cycle a card and animate it again. Okay. If you mutate the Glowstone Recluse on top of it, it'll be a Glowstone Recluse that is temporarily a 5-4 because it had this ability to change it to a 5-4. Yeah, yeah, let's just hope I, it just never comes up for me. <laughs> I follow. No, this okay. is going to come up actually quite a bit because this Reptilian Reflection is a perfectly fine and playable card, and mutating onto it seems like something that you might do later in the game. Um, so if you mutate onto it, say you mutate Glowstone Recluse under Reptilian Reflection and choose the front to be Glowstone Recluse, it'll stay creature all the time. Then later when you cycle a card, you may choose to have it gain Trample, Haste, and become a 5-4, which overwrites the 5-4 in the lower right-hand corner of the card. So that Glowstone Recluse that was a 2-3 turns into a 5. All right. And still has Reach, and whenever this creature mutates, put 2 plus and plus 1 counter on. Great. If you chose to put Glowstone Recluse on the bottom, you'd put 2 counters on the Reptilian Reflection. It would stop being a creature at end of turn, still have two counters, and still have the recluse's abilities. So next turn, you need to cycle. It'll turn into a 5-4 with two counters on, which will make it a 7-6. Oh, oh dang. <laughs> this is two uncommons that seem perfectly playable in the same set. Yes, absolutely. Um, now, in the commander product, uh, there's something with a power toughness star star. So like a Tarmogoyf, right? We all know Tarmogoyf. Yeah. It is power toughness equal to the to the types of cards in graveyards. So if you mutate out of Tarmogoyf, because Tarmogoyf's not a human, you can mutate out of that thing. 
no matter which side you choose, Tarmogoyf is going to overwrite the power and toughness with the star, star plus one effect. Because it keeps the abilities. And Tarmogoyf's ability changes whatever power toughness is in the lower right hand corner to its text box. Oh, wow. That's so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's, yeah, okay. there's some gods in standard, right? Mm-hmm. And there, some of them are really good. Clothis is amazing. Heliod's great, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can, you can play these gods. So you have a god, like, like say, Clothis. Clothis is currently animated because you have exactly seven... Um, you have exactly seven devotion to green red right yeah you play a mutate that doesn't have green or red in its cost like a blue mutate card and you choose that to be any part of clothes in front or in back it doesn't matter well it's sorry if it's in back clothes stays with its own mana cost right if you put it in front though the new card will take over being in front what that means is that it wipes up clothes's mana cost and replaces it with its mana cost which brings your devotion down to five <laughs> Yep. What types is this permanent? Oh, wow. <laughs> I, did, I was told there would be no math, Rob. Okay, well, wait. There, 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 there's, <laughs> so, so you have that. It, it you is. You had exactly seven and you go to six. Glowstone Recluse takes over for Clothis, and now yep. you go to six green red devotion. Um, so you have a Glowstone Recluse with the Clothis ability on. Yes. Um, it is. It is a. Two, three. <laughs> I don't. I, oh, it no. is absolutely so, nothing. The, the ability from Clothis says as long as your devotion yeah. to red and green is less than seven, Clothis isn't a creature. Yes. And so it is not a creature right now. It's not a right? creature. I agree. It's a not a creature yep. spider. <laughs> Correct. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not a spider anymore either. Okay. If you get enough devotion, it'll turn into a spider. Okay, so it's just but an it, it enchantment. Can't be a spider if it's not a creature. No, oh. it's not an enchantment. Why would it be an enchantment? You overwrote enchantment. <laughs> you overwrote legendary too. It's, it's just a nothing. It's just a thing. Yep, it's a typeless permanent. <laughs> great, great, good, good. Uh, great. This is this is something that is going to confuse the hell out of people on Magic Online and Arena. Because they will, they will do this, not realize it brings their devotion down because it overrates the, the mana cost, and then it blows away the type line. And they'll be like, what? But it has a bunch of abilities. How do I destroy it? Like, I can't murder it. It's not a creature. Yep. I agree. <laughs> you can't disenchant it because it's not an enchantment. You need to destroy target permanent. Oh, boy. Because it's still a permanent. It yes. just has no types. It's but just also like it's indestructible. permanent. Yeah. So exile target permanent. Good luck. Great. <laughs> uh, there's also some. I, I want to wait for the comp rules on mutate plus morph, because if you mutate on the morph things, which are indeed not humans, uh, I don't think the result is what I think it's going to be. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm waiting for the comp rules on this. If it comes up ask um mutating onto morph things is weird uh it doesn't pr- it, like we just went through a bunch of unusual results i could talk for another several minutes on morph and i don't think we need to uh but because it's not in standard right now and uh it's not meaningfully playable in other non-commander non-oathbreaker formats All i right. do want to mention though 
so you know Sarkin the Masterless? Yeah. Yes. He he can turn all your planeswalkers into dragons. Yes. Yeah. Dragons aren't humans. You can mutate a planeswalker. Oh, boy. So you get to pick what's in front or what's in back. Uh, if you pick the creature that's in front, it is no longer a planeswalker, but it has a bunch of loyalty abilities. Can you, you can, activate You can happily them? activate those. Yeah, you can activate those. Uh, you can't attack. Your opponent can't attack it anymore because it's not a planeswalker. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> if you if you go the other way and you put the planeswalker in front, then it just gets some random creature abilities. You probably don't want to do that. Wow. <laughs> now I want to do goodness. that because that sounds great. That sounds yeah, like I, a party. Yeah, no. And you're like, uh, Sarkin turns into a dragon. It's going to mutate into Godzilla past the turn. They're like, what, what do you get out of this? You'd be like, Godzilla with like loyalty abilities. I'd be like, you know what, Rob? That is exactly what you would do. That's what oh, I yeah, want. No. That's what I want. I want a yeah, Godzilla no, with loyalty abilities. Yeah, exactly that. Like, um, basically, you can do this with Sarkins, and there's one planeswalker deck Gideon that doesn't turn into a human for some unknown reason. There's one Gideon. Every other Gideon chains into a human soldier, so you can't mutate him. But, like, one terrible planeswalker deck and two Sarkins will animate themselves easily. <laughs> Um, Holy cow. Yep. Great. Uh, so, th- yeah, they had 25 bullet points. I had 14, I think. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Wow. I mean, just. 17. 17. So Sorry. Take Kudos, Rob. To like, yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of nonsense with this. Like, <laughs> uh, they they did a lot of rework of the layer system. And our next thing is going to also talk about reworking the layer system. Um, but. Mostly, Mutate is going to behave intuitively. You're just going to jam two creatures together. It's going to do exactly what you think it does. Uh, I can't rec- recommend enough their, the Ikoria um, re- release notes, the Ikorian Commander release notes. It has all of this spelled out really clearly. Uh, the, the group that does this did a fantastic job putting it together, and I cribbed from it really, really heavily. So we should link that in the show notes in, okay. on YouTube. You got All it. right. Uh, that right. is, I'm going to send that to you in chat to make sure that we have it. So I guess like for me, the biggest change basically from Bestow, aside from the things you mentioned, is you are going to get kind of two for one with removal where yes. Bestow, that did not happen. Yep. But almost every mutate thing has a trigger that gives you some fraction of a card of value. Right. So when, when you look at like the spider, you basically get, get to put two counters on it with haste when you're looking at glowstone recluse and so you get to mutate onto a thing give it two counters crash for some damage and then they might get you yeah yeah Uh, but that's generally kind of fine like four mana to put two counters in a creature isn't great but it isn't like i won't i I won't lose the game for doing it so i mean sometimes i will but but (laughs) the default doesn't lose the game for it yeah so Let's talk about the other new mechanic that we have uh, yeah, with Ikoria, which is also kind of wild. Keyword counters. Yeah. Keyword counters. So let's let's talk about Crystalline Giant because he's got all. Uh, <laughs> so Crystalline Giant is a 3-3 three, three, for 3 generic mana. And he says, at the beginning of combat on your turn, choose a kind of counter at random that Crystalline Giant doesn't have on it. From among Flying, First Strike, Death Touch, Hexproof, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Trample, Vigilance, and plus one, plus one. That's 10. You can roll a d10 for this. It's nice. And then you put a counter of that kind in Crystal and Shine. Uh, those counters do what they say. If it gets a flying counter, it is flying. If you give it a hexproof counter, it is hexproof. 
And so you can put counters on things to give it these abilities. It does mostly what you would think. Uh, and it basically behaves the same as this creature gets trampled. And, or creatures you control get trampled. Let's talk, though, about that Mystics of Duel card that we talked about before. Blue one aura, flash, enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets minus two, minus zero, and loses all of the things. So uh, you have Crystalline Giant out. You go, to your, you go to your combat. He triggers. He puts a counter. He gets flying. And I'm like, well, I can't block that guy. I'm going to Mystics of Duel. That flying counter came out before the Mystics of Duel, so Mystics of Duel makes it lose flying. Counters can now have timestamps. Whoa! Which if you're... It's the timestamp that the last of type that the last counter of that type was added. So if he has a flying counter that was added before Mystics of Duel, he'll lose flying for Mystics of Duel. If he has a counter that came after Mystics of Duel, so the next turn you go to your combat and you roll Hexproof, uh, he'll have Hexproof, but he wanted flying because flying came before Mystics of Duel. Hexproof came after. Okay, so I always choose Hexproof. Counter, yeah. <laughs> well, you don't choose; he's random. Um, and there's only a couple of Hexproof counters in the set. Oh, yeah, um, you're right. Choose at random is kind of a weird way to put it. Yeah. Um, the reason that it's done that way is the... Uh, I'm going to confirm in his release notes quick, because I didn't glance at that. Uh, I would just, like, say something like, put a counter at random. Yeah. It, so... It, put the, 10 bees. Giant does it... Yeah, Crystalline Giant does his thing while it's resolving. And so you make a random choice, and it's while it's resolving, and so your opponents don't get to respond to it in the middle of the... the I feel like we're really having, like, a syntax discussion here, like, random choice. To me, it just makes zero sense. (laughs) 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 But okay. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, but it should say put a counter of a random type that he doesn't already have. Yeah. Uh, they decided this template was for some reason clear enough to them. Uh, so if you add a flying counter to him, then Mystic Subduel him. He doesn't have flying. If you add another flying counter later, he'll have flying. Yeah. Whatever the last timestamp, uh, the last counter of that type that was added, that determines the timestamp for all counters of that type. So all the flying counters technically move up to the latest flying counter timestamp. It mostly doesn't matter because all of the abilities that can have counters are abilities where if you have multiple instances that are redundant. I got to tell um, you, Rob, that makes more sense to me than any other way that it would have been done. Yep. Um, it Again, my judge chat was like, what? Counters of timestamp seems aggravating. Uh, I actually have a philosophical problem with counters having timestamps because they're not physical objects. And so it's especially the way that people represent things in games of magic. Uh, did the penny come before the nickel? Yeah. Uh, it mostly doesn't matter, but it matters for cards like Mystics of Duel, which is in the same set as all of this. And so you have to track whether or not the penny went on before the aura went on. Okay. Because the penny means flying. This is how magic players play. Yeah. Or a scrap of paper that, you know, doesn't have any words written on it. It's just a scrap of paper. <laughs> Classic yes. magic player. Uh, I would suggest having some way to mark anything. Uh, one really kind of clever way to do it is that you can bring a dry erase marker and just write directly on your sleeves. Ooh! Paper. Hot tail! Yep. Uh, dry erase markers will write on sleeves and then wipe them off before you shuffle because then if you don't, it'll get all over your sleeves. Yes, great point. Because it'll get on the back of other things. But you can totally make notes on your cards with dry erase markers and then wipe them off. 
as long as you're careful about making sure to wipe them fully before you put it back in. Nice. Um, uh, that's that's a way to do it without needing a lot of overhead. Or use the counters that are going to come in booster packs. They have counter sheets that are coming. They look sweet. So that that should be pretty fine. And guess uh, what, everybody? Other, We're yeah. not done with these new mechanics yet. No, no, no. no. We, have, we have two new mechanics on top of this. Oh, boy. <laughs> Companion. Uh, Companion is... It actually also might be in the top 10 or 15 most complicated mechanics of all time. It's totally different. Um, it is a mechanic that adds a deck building restriction. So companion, let's talk about Garuda Doom of Deaths. Um, so Garuda costs Demir, Demir 4. Uh, that's hybrid blue-black, hybrid blue-black at 4. Uh, legendary creature, Demon Kraken, it's a 6-6. Six, six. Companion, your starting deck contains only cards with even converted mana costs. And it, then it has a reminder, if this card is your chosen companion, you may cast it once from outside the game. Uh, how companion works is before you start the game, before you even shuffle your library, you pull out your companion and you reveal it. It had to start from an outside the game space, so not in your deck. If you're in a competitive format, it will start in your sideboard. So it takes up one of your sideboard slots. And this causes a deck building restriction to apply to your library. If you want to be able to use this companion, if you want to use Garuda, you need all of your non-lands to have even converted mana costs. Uh, one thing about Garuda, uh, there's also an odd converted mana cost one, which is an easier card, because Garuda has the special magic rule of zero is even. <laughs> zero isn't even, don't at me. But <laughs> magic considers zero to be even. Mathematicians um, everywhere are enraged. <laughs> yeah, zero is neither even nor odd, but magic considers it even, fine, as long as it's consistent, that's the way that it works. Um, so... Uh, Garuda Doom of Depths limits you to playing only even things. Um, Garuda also has another ability. All of these things do something related to their companion ability. So you can put them in your library. You can draft Garuda. It's easy to cast, and you might play it because when it enters the battlefield, each player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, and then you put a creature card with an even converted mana cost from among those cards onto the battlefield under your control. So if you mill a four-cost creature with Garuda from um, your opponent's library, you get to put the four on the battlefield. And so if you are drafting, you might first pick this, try to draft an even library, fail. You don't have enough even cards to make your deck work. That's fine, because in your library, it still rewards you for having a bunch of even cards. Mm -hmm. And so in limited, these actually all look really sweet. I, I would definitely play this. And so let's talk about some of the stuff. People have been very concerned about this <laughs> because they're like, well, what if my opponent has a has a converted mana cost one card in their Garuda deck? I'll be like, and they go, but they got an advantage from having it in there. Go, no, could they cast it? Well, no, I would have called them out. They just, I want to, I want to check if their library is all evens. Be like, do you check if their library matches the four of limit? Yeah. Like every every game, <laughs> and that's a that's a that's a less restrictive restriction. that's easier to cheat. Five Llanowar Elves and Pioneer. I play that. It seems great. My opponents will never catch me. Right. That's why we have deck checks. Because the, the five a five of a four of is very difficult to catch. Like you have to be looking through the library and then count the number of copies of a thing. Uh, yeah, I I've definitely had people get to a later round where their opponents had to have searched their library at some point with like uh, uh, they they had five copies of a card in their library. They didn't know they're playing sixty one. They just had an extra copy of it because they grabbed an extra copy out of their box. And this is much more restrictive. Like, you will catch them immediately. The first thing that breaks this rule, you'll catch. And 
they're like they're really restrictive on what they do. They add an extra deck building restriction, but it's a really restrictive deck building restriction. And so you'll immediately catch, do you have an odd card? Did you cast a second thing with the same name? Um, et cetera, et cetera. And they have to reveal and show you up front. Uh, let's talk about specific ones, because there's some specific ones that do weird things. Uh, and specifically, Commander or Brawl. In Commander or Brawl, your Commander is still in your library when you do the Companion show. This will this locks out certain companions. Certain companions just can't be used because they there's nothing that matches their restrictions. So you just don't get to use them. Um, or it really messes up the ability for you to do some of the things. Uh, Lutri the Spell Chaser, the adorable elemental otter, is banned. So cute. So yeah. cute. Super so adorable. banned. Yeah, you cannot play it in your library at all in Commander or Brawl. They, they don't make a restriction on can't be or like can't be a companion, can't be a commander. No, you just can't play. This. They're just like, good, and, good day. We're yeah, yeah. And they, uh, to everybody's credit, for trying to be really upfront with it. Like the day that these were announced, they, they announced it with Lutri the Spell Chaser and said, this card is banned. Don't go out and buy them. Every announcement that had Lutri in it was like, <laughs> this card is also banned. It, do, it doesn't have a restriction in commander. Its restriction is you are playing commander. So <laughs> they, they just banned it. Yeah. In both Commander and Brawl, Brawl's banned restricted announcement came out today. They told us in advance when they announced the card. Yeah, it, when we make our banned restricted announcement next week, this card's going to be banned. It's really obvious. Um, Oathbreaker, if you are like me and love Oathbreaker, uh, the Oathbreaker Rules Committee actually just said these cards don't work. Uh, because they, they start in the outside the game, not a zone. Well, like how wishes wish for things outside the game. And wishes don't work at all in commander or Oathbreak. the reason that this is being allowed in commander is basically sheldon said eh, this sounds fun <laughs> uh, the, the rules don't actually support it very so oathbreaker just said well these don't work at all but the rules don't actually support it so you can't play them in oathbreaker um and they might change their mind on that later yeah um that's my rundown of companion stuff uh flavor names so you know you flavor text that just tells you some story about the card down in the text box. Now you can have that in your name too. <laughs> you like flavor everywhere. You can have it everywhere. <laughs> so if they wanted this set to be Godzilla themed, but they didn't want to actually introduce Godzilla cards into the magic universe. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And so they, if they have these special second names that don't mean it. So let's look at, uh, Badrock apex of thunder, also known as Rodon Titan of winged fury. Uh, costs white, blue, oh, white, red, blue. Uh, it's a 3-3 legendary creature, elemental dinosaur cat. Also, it looks like a dragon, but it's a cat. He, he's a cat inside. Um, so, uh, We're Rodan all cats Titan inside. Yeah. <laughs> Vadrock Apex of Thunder is the real name everywhere. Um, if you look it up on Gatherer, if you look at the, the, the cards in your library, you can play Vadrock Apex of Thunder times four and then zero copies of the one that has the special bigger name, Rodan Titan of Wind Fury. Vadrock is the name anywhere. You name a card, you're naming Vadrock. You, if you're looking at your deck list, it's Vadrock. The Rodan Titan of Winged Fury is a flavor name. It doesn't mean anything in terms of rules. It's just cool that it can be named Rodan, that it can be named, you know, Crystal Godzilla or Baby Godzilla. Their, their names are just there to make them have cooler names, <laughs> even though they already have cool legendary names for the most part. Yeah. That is a great way to think about it. Thank you for saying that, Rob. Flavor names. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Thumbs up. And I think it's great. 
I, I'm really a fan of the flavor names. I'm really a fan of being able to play with Godzilla. Uh, there's one that doesn't have a not flavor named version. So the the Godzilla card, the Godzilla box topper card, is um, I'll mention him during single card votes as well because he's got some weird stuff going on that is not <laughs> obvious. But the he does not have a version without the flavor name. Gotcha. Uh, there's also going to be a very rare one that people should be aware of. Um, the Godzilla Death Corona that they are printing just in the first run of Ikora and not printing with that name online. If yeah. you run across one, they won't be in the second Ikora printing. They decided it was in bad taste, but the set, they penciled down on this six months ago, right? Yeah. Uh, there was no issue for them to know. So they're trying their best to just say, hey, we didn't intend this. We're not going to make more of it. We don't want to profit off this. Sorry. Yeah, our, our so, bad. Yeah, they're, they're like, we, we didn't know. Literally, didn't know, literally no way we could have known. Yeah. Well, it's specifically because Godzilla has the Corona bean. Yeah, it's like as, a real, it's a real yeah, power. It's, it's a real Godzilla flavor thing. It's a thing from his history that he's had. Kind of, kind of just. It's a real bad beats. Uh, it might teach them not to use real words and card names for a while <laughs> which is a bad lesson to take away like so i don't know yeah um so that's my new mechanic stuff Ooh. we are currently like, 45 minutes in Dang, oh my gosh kids. All yeah. right, we've got some individual Woo. card notes as well because, you know, just going yep. through all the new and returning mechanics wasn't complicated enough. Let's go, Rob. Yeah, so Brokos, Ipixa Forever. Um, the thing that we care about, you may cast Brokos, Ipixa Forever from your graveyard using its mutated ability. If you don't control any non-human creatures, you can't do this. Makes so sense. He, ha- he has to have a target for his mute. Um, you can't just... Like, try to target nothing and then have him fall into the battlefield as a regular creature. No, that, that's not how Brokos does. Brokos <laughs> has to have a friend. That's not how Brokos um, do. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fiend Artisan. Um, Fiend Artisan's ability that we care about is uh, Golgari Hybrid, Black Green Hybrid, and X tap and sacrifice another creature. Search your library for a creature card of converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you can cast a sorcerer. I mentioned mutates an alternative cost to cast the spell. If you put a mutate card directly out like the Artisan, it you can't mutate it. It just comes out as its creature side all the time. Makes um, sense. And that applies to a bunch of things randomly in the set. Um, Luminous Brood Moth. I've seen this in a bunch of places. It's a it has the ability whenever a creature you control without flying dies, return it to the battlefield under its owner control with the flying. So it looks like it just reanimates your things as kind of like ghosts that are the same, but they fly with a counter. If something can't have a counter put on it, uh, that or you remove the flying counter somehow, uh, you get to do it again. So like Solemnity says that counters can't be placed on permanents, non-planeswalker permanents. So there's an infinite combos of luminous brute moth. These exist. Don't necessarily be surprised if your <laughs> opponent just like is just like, all right, I'm gonna cast this Croxa six times, and you're just like, what, what? Or I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this Proxa back, and then, uh, he's gonna come back like six times and then kill you. And you're like, oh, that was uh, that was fun. <laughs> um, I mentioned that Godzilla King of Monsters card. It's a box topper. Mm-hmm. Zalortha Strength Incarnate is its real name. There's no card with just the word Zalortha Strength Incarnate. They all just have the Godzilla art. 
He has the ability, lethal damage dealt to creatures you control is determined by their power rather than their toughness. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, so, power is the front half, right? Yeah. The first number. So he's a 7 and uh, so Judge Rob, I would argue that yeah. the toughness is a creature's most exciting ability, but anyways. Th- that's that's true, oh, but good power grief. makes them powerful, like Godzilla. <laughs> so Godzilla here, uh, if you mark three damage on him, he's a die. He, he has three toughness, but he, he just does not care about that number fundamentally. And so you might ask, why doesn't he have zero toughness, just to be funny? Well, things that have zero toughness, like you put minus one, minus one counters on them, will still die from having zero toughness. Having zero power doesn't kill you. So if you have a 0-15 wall with Godzilla King of the Monsters in the battlefield under your control, it doesn't die because it has 15 toughness. As soon as you mark any damage on it, it dies. <laughs> yes. So if you if you ping it for one, that 0-15, gone. It just rolls up. It's like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I it's did like, it. It's like, whoa. Oh, sorry. Whoa, oh, no. I, I, I gotta go. <laughs> Too much damage. And you're like, but... You, you were fine. No. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, that yeah, hurt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Uh, so basically the way that the damage works is you mark damage. And then once you get enough damage on something, it dies. Uh, you check the toughness versus that marked damage. Uh, this this lets you combine like you attack with a 3-3. Three, three, I block with my 6-6. Six, six, you lightning bolt my 6-6. Six, six, it is three from the 3-3, three, three, three from the lightning bolt. Six damage total marked. Okay. And then it dies. Godzilla changes that check to check against power instead of toughness. Gotcha. Uh, and... Like I said, zero power creatures don't immediately die, but they die pretty quick if you have Godzilla out. Gotcha. And it's just your creatures, not your opponent's creatures. Be aware. Uh, Godzilla Godzilla likes his friends and doesn't do anything about his enemies. He just doesn't care. <laughs> um, Gigantha, the Wellspring. Uh, Gigantha is a legendary creature elemental elk. He's one of the companions. Companion, no card in your starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbols. And it's mana cost. Gigantha could be in your library, fine. Other things could have a four. Other things could have a red-green. But something that costs red-green, red-green, not allowed. Oh, okay. This, this is what I mean by this. This I have to think, rethink this card every time I look at it. Yeah. It's not unique mana symbols between different cards. It's unique mana symbols on the same card. Gotcha. So something so, can't cast, couldn't cost red-red. Yeah. Red-red, not allowed. Red-red, oh, red and one okay. is okay. Okay. Uh, Gotcha. Red XX, not okay. X is the same symbol. <laughs> Great. There's not a lot of things with XX in the cost, yeah. but there's a few. Um, it, basically, it makes it very weird to build your library, and it will be super obvious anytime that you play a card with the same symbol on it. Yeah. So a hybrid mana symbol is not the same as a non-hybrid mana symbol. So if something is Maurice's Twin Claws, which costs a single green and then hybrid either red or white and two, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, splitting up hybrids, they haven't really done, but they could in theory do it. Yeah. Um, but it's the base cost that's printed on the card. If you had a hybrid red-green, hybrid red-black, that's fine. <laughs> hybrid red-green and a single red, also fine. They're different symbols. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Very strange. <laughs> Gigantha has a second confusing ability. Okay. Which has a, card that, a word that doesn't come up in cards much. A tap, add white, blue, black, red, green. This mana can't be spent to pay generic mana costs. Yeah. All right. A, a generic cost is any cost that is just a number in a circle. Yeah. Uh, so you can pay for Gigantha itself with not this. 
because Gigantic can only pay the colored symbols on Gigantic. Can't pay the other stuff. A lot of the times people will view that as this is a color a colorless cost. It's not a colorless cost. A colorless cost is the wake thing, you know, that's on Kozilek or Botnazir or whatever. Those are colorless costs. Those aren't generic. Generic costs can be paid with any type of mana except for Gigantha's mana. Gigantha doesn't don't <laughs> do that. Um, Gigantha wants to make sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck out of the Gigantha mana. You can have any mana out here, but not Gigantha mana. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you can't you can't use Gigantha to pay for generic <laughs> Oh, if you tap Gigantha for mana and try to cast another Gigantha, it doesn't work for you. You can pay for one symbol and then get like four colored mana left over. <laughs> um, weird, weird magic card. Uh, yep. He teaches you how the mana system works. Um, the Ozolith. Oh yeah, it, yeah. Oh yeah. It's a legendary artifact. It costs one generic mana. Uh, whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, if it had counters on it, put those counters on the Ozolith. Uh, this is a triggered ability. It actually technically copies the counters. Um, it just puts some counters on itself. Um, it doesn't remove them from the thing that died. Uh, so if your thing cared about the counters that it had, then it still counts them. So modular says when this died, it had a plus one, plus one counter. Give that away to a friend. It still had that counter when it died. It'll give a modular counter out to a friend. Okay. The Ozolith applies on top of that. Um, gotcha. And then Ozolith says at the beginning of combat on your turn, if the Ozolith has counters on it, you may move all counters from the Ozolith onto target creature. They get removed from the Ozolith, they get put on that thing. Uh, this is placing counters in the thing. If something like hardened scales sees plus one plus one counters added by the Ozolith, then it'll increase that number of counters by one. Sweet. Um, because the counters are actually being taken off the Ozolith and put over there. Uh, it's just a... There's not a lot of room for for all this explanation on the Ozolith or to make the template messier. Unpredictable Cyclone. Uh, this is an enchantment for Red Red 3. Uh... If a cycling ability of another non-land card would cause you to draw a card, instead exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a card that shares a card type with the cycled card. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then put the exiled cards that weren't cast this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, okay. <laughs> Follow me on this journey. Okay. Instead instead of casting my spell, I cycle it. Yeah. I pay some mana, I discard it. Cycling uh, activated ability goes to the stack. Cycling activated ability resolves and tries to make me draw a card. An unpredictable cyclone goes, hold the phone. You can't draw cards from cycling anymore. Instead, you're going to go find a friend that was the same type okay. as what you cycle. Gotcha. Um, just flip cards off the top until you find something that matches type. Um, if you cycle a something that is a non-land and you hit a land that is also of that type, you will... Um, you can't do anything. So if you have a Darksteel Citadel in your library, which is an artifact land, and you cycle an artifact, and you hit Darksteel Citadel, Unpredictable Cyclone says you may cast the card. You can't cast Darksteel Citadel. Because so it's a it's, land. Yeah. Then, put the, then it just gets shipped to the bottom of your library. Rough for you, buddy. It, it, it rough for you. It's really unusual. It comes up basically with Darksteel Citadel and Dryad Arbor... And like that, that, that's about what you got in same formats. So, um, <laughs> but it is usually a mana advantage. Note that you won't be drawing a card. There's no card drawing involved. So if something tries to limit your card draws, like say Narset, um, 
the the thing with Narset is she stops you from even trying to draw a card. So Narset versus Unpredictable Cyclone. If you Unpredictable Cyclone, if you draw a card for turn, then try to Unpredictable Cyclone with a Narset out. Narset stops you from even getting to the point where you draw a card. Narset just says, this isn't a replacement ability, it just changes the rules. You can't even try to draw a card. There's nothing <laughs> to replace for Unpredictable Cyclone. Hey, buddy, um, don't even try yeah. to draw a card. Yeah. Uh, Narset. Uh, it might not make it into the top five design mistakes of 2019 is a design mistake. <laughs> uh, I, I have some spicy opinions about 2019. Um, we have spicy opinions about 2020. <laughs> uh, 2020 is the most complicated rule stuff, but it doesn't look like it has any Okos in it yet. So, but it, that just might be because every card has 90 words on it. I was, but so, also Rob, the year is early. <laughs> It's true. Oh. Is it? Are you sure 2020 hasn't already been five years long? I mean, it's true. It's been, it's, it's been one decade. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. It's been a hell of a week and it's only Wednesday. Yep. You all remember when you all remember the last Magic the Gathering World Championship that happened 20 years ago? Oh, yeah, that was 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, it was 20 yep. years ago. Yep. It's a dim and distant memory in our past. <laughs> <laughs> um. I wanted to talk about things that trigger from when you cycle stuff as well. So yep. escape protocol, it's an enchantment blue and one. Whenever you cycle the card, you may pay one. When you do exile target artifact or creature you control, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. I didn't really talk about flickering or mutate. Wow. Uh, so you can flicker your own stuff that is mutated with escape protocol. When uh, This triggers before the cycling card roll. Uh, as I tried to, tried to make clear, but I might have not been totally clear on in the cycling section. You cycle the card, put the activated ability in the stack, escape protocols, trigger goes in the stack above it, targets a thing. You may pay one. If you do, you exile it and bring it back. Yeah. If it was a mutated stack of nonsense, it breaks apart the component creatures. Okay. Because it went to exile, and it, you can't have a mutated thing in exile. Gotcha. So it breaks into component creatures, and then it falls out of the battlefield with all the pieces. <laughs> I'm a mutated like, stack of nonsense. You, you sent it into exile, and then like a hole opened up in the sky, and just the different <laughs> things that you sent fall out. Separately. Yeah, it starts raining kittens, and you're like, this, you know, whatever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fine, I did this. <laughs> Can I just bring something up? Because it's on Scryfall, it's near Escape Protocol, that we have Frost Links in this set, and I just want to ask you, I'm like a... I don't know what kind of question this is, but Frostlinks has appeared a number of times in Magic, and I just want to, I'm just wondering, on any given plane, is it kind of, like, inevitable that a Frostlinks will evolve? So you're talking about how, like, the first thing that everybody invents is the Ornithopter, and the first, you know, cat that evolves into an elemental thing would be the Frostlinks? Yeah, that's it kind of seems like it. That's your theory? You know, yeah. just like in Star Trek, how, like, uh, most people are most, you know, races they come across are humanoid and they end up explaining yeah. that in star trek my question is is the frost links just are they just evolving because like yeah. that's just some kind of weird mathematical certainty that a frost links will evolve yeah convergent evolution on the frost links yeah well there's a lot of like why do humans exist on multiple planes kind of things too it's, yeah i guess uh, like the universe probably shattered from one plane at one point or there's some other like hand wavy um, example of you know, <laughs> you know, why do we find dinosaurs all over? Why you know why do trees? Why trees? Why do trees? <laughs> why do trees? <laughs> Great question, everybody. Okay, sorry, I derailed yeah. us. No, no, it's it's good. Um, 
that's my big stuff to hit. Like, a lot of this is Mutate has so much rules complexity packed into it. The cards generally just do what they say unless they don't. Um, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> right? Like, I try to cover the ones that, that, that lie to you about what they do. Uh, but a lot of the times you'll just, like, randomly put a counter on a thing or you'll, you know, shatter your otter into a pile of dinosaurs or I don't know. <laughs> I'm just going to shatter this otter into a pile of dinosaurs. New goal. New Ikoria goal for sure. Mm-hmm. Because this is, you know, this has been quite a dense episode. Um, we're just yeah. going to do a handful of questions. Yeah. Um, real quick. And then, you know, we always mention, um, if you head on over to the YouTube video and ask questions there, you can also get them answered if we happened to not cover it. Yeah. Or if you had more questions. generally check for about a week, but, like, I got nothing better to do. Well, I do a lot of stuff to do. I'm an essential person that's out working. But, yeah, I'll check for a while after the YouTube video goes up for comments. Okay, great. Yeah. What do you got, Megan? Okay. Um, how does mutate work if the stack of creatures becomes a human through an effect like conspiracy or an arcane adaptation? What if this happens by the top card flipping or morphing into a human? What if you make the target of a mutate ability a human while it is still on the stack? Uh, so the last one is simple. The ability makes the mutate thing fall onto the battlefield. Yeah. The target's illegal. Just like if you give it shroud or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it tries to resolve and it says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't get countered for not having a target. Whoa, whoa, That's whoa. not how I do. I'm going to fall onto the battlefield. Yeah. Um, for the first half, doesn't matter. Mutate only cares at the time that you cast the spell and as it tries to resolve, whether or not the the target's a human. Great. Uh, if it changes into a human later because you used a Meboid changeling to change it into all types, eh, who cares? It's not a mutated human. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to do that, actually. So. Great. Um, okay. If an opponent has an anim- has animated a planeswalker with Sarkin the Masterless and I flash in a Blitz Leech and remove all the counters from the planeswalker, does it die immediately? If not, does it die on the next turn when it returns to being a planeswalker? It dies during the cleanup step when it returns to being a planeswalker. So it's not the next turn. It dies this turn Yes. right after you discard for turn. Gotcha. Um, or as you're discarding for turn. And then there's a probably a priority pass. So, yep. If you remove the counters from Sarkin, uh, it, as long as it's a creature with loyalty counters and not a planeswalker, because Sarkin stops it from being a planeswalker, yeah, then it won't die from having no loyalty counters. This is also the the mutate thing. You mutate into a, into Godzilla. Oh, darn! <laughs> like you have to kill this creature now. Fight me. Yeah. Um, okay. So also, I feel like we covered this one, but if Anax is mutated as the bottom card, the, does the power equals devotion still affect the creature? Isn't uh, Annex a human? Uh, yes. yes. Wait, no. He a, a demigod. demigod. Oh, right. They did make them all demigods. Yeah. Yeah. So the power, the power for Annex will override the power of the creature. The gotcha. toughness for Annex will be whatever the top item is. So you could have like a, a star seven or something if you've yeah. got a seven toughness thing on the front. Great. Um, Tarmogoyf overrides both sides, which is why Tarmogoyf kills both halves. Got gotcha. so. Um, and they asked, do mutated cards on the bottom count towards devotion? We covered no. Nope. The only thing that you get from mutate is the text box. It's the only thing that you get. 
but there's a lot of things with strange text boxes. So. Oh boy. Yikes. Yikes, Areno. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one is like, um, I think self-explanatory. When you name a card for spell or ability effect, can you use the Godzilla name or do you have to use the magic, the gathering name? You, you can like call me there as long as it's identifiable, right? Yeah. As long as it's uniquely identifiable, I said that's the only thing. If you're searching on Magic Online or on Arena, you're going to see, I believe, assuming Arena doesn't try to put both names on there, you will only see the the real name, the the one that's in the small box center. Great. Uh, if you're in Paper Magic and you say, "Hey, I want to name, I want to name, you know, the Crystal Godzilla guy, the one that, uh, you know, he's got the big crystals on his shoulders and." He has a flavor name, but I don't remember it off. Yeah. It costs three different colors of mana. And the judge comes over. It's like, yeah, that's the crystalline Godzilla. It's the same as. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just like with anything else, if you can unambiguously identify it, then it counts as name. Great. I say, I want to feel like I feel pretty, pretty proud for the work that you do because a lot of these questions that I'm seeing, like we touched on. Yep. <laughs> Which is very Good cool. Job, that's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, did we, yeah. co- did we cover this Ozolith one? If I have Ozolith in play and a hangerback Walker dies, do I get the Thopter and the counters put on Ozolith or yes, do I have to choose? Do you get both? Okay. Yep. Sick. Whew. Um, yeah, it doesn't take the counters away. It just copies the counter arms onto itself basically. Yeah. Um, a and, couple of people uh, asked about like we, and we covered this, but just like the making sure that people's decks like fulfill mm-hmm. the companion, um, it's, it's not any different than the four of them. Yeah. Like, and also you, they yeah, asked if you're sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you're sure that they broke it, if they like, if they cast a second copy of something, when they have Lutra as their companion, call judge. Yeah. Call the store owner over, say, Hey, they shouldn't be able to do this. If they already cast the, the Lutra, they, they will have one thing happen. Um, there, the policy update has not been published yet. And I'm sure Toby has, has words on it. So <laughs> I can't say for sure what's going to happen in the competitive event. Yeah. Guess what? doesn't matter in paper. We don't have tournaments right now. If you're gathering together with friends, you're doing it wrong. So, yeah. uh, I, I normally am all about getting together with friends right now. You do what we do and we'll be on the internet. Don't do, do it. Pictures of bears behind them and stuff. Not until um, you're allowed to. Yep. Yep. So policy questions that you're like, how do I stop my opponent from cheating? Well, uh, We'll answer that in August yeah. <laughs> or whenever. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's not it's not urgent. Yes. So uh, it, the policy updates will come out at some point and then we'll have guidance on it. It is time, everyone, for the moment we all wait for with every new set with bated breath to name cutest and grossest card. Yeah. I will say, I'll go first, because, look, I know people aren't as excited for grossest card. <laughs> it's just not as exciting. I understand. It's disgusting is what it is. And well, you know what do you got? Okay. Um, first, I want to give a shout out to the Fiend one that we talked about. What's his name again? Fiend Hunter? Yes. Is that it? No, 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 no. I'm talking about like the little spooky arms, arms gentleman. And oh, it, fiend artisan. Yes, fiend yeah, artisan. He's got not chill. He's got he's got bonus hugging arms. No. He can hug you even while he's hugging somebody else. No, I, no one needs to be. <laughs> no one needs to be hugged. No one needs to be touched. Fiend artisan can keep all of its spooky little legs away from me. But I have to give a shout out. 
to my original, like a fear that dates back to my childhood oh boy. of leeches and Blitz leech. Blitz leech, no thank you. Get out of here. Good day. So long. Farewell. Alvita saying good night. Okay. Not here for it. Look oh, at all Blitz those teeth. Leech. Look at its leech body. Not chill. Out. No. Get. No. Done. No. <laughs> so that's that's grossest card. Blitz leech. Good good call. Good call. No. Not no. No. All right, Maria. Okay. I know well, that you had a lot of deliberation. Let me tell you something. I take my cutest card duty very seriously, and this is by far and away the most difficult decision I've ever had to make in a magic set. This is the cutest set that Wizards has ever printed, and you can take that to the bank. Uh, so I've got. <laughs> I think it's. I think that there the cuteness creep is really showing. Yeah, it really I, yes. is. Railed ag- You've railed against this for years. We don't talk about cuteness creep enough. You know, I I talk a lot about um, being pandered to for cutest card, and I Mm -hmm. stand by that. So that's why Baby Godzilla isn't even on my list, because I will not be pandered to. Um, But (laughs) I do have a lot of other cute cards, which are just cute naturally and not shoved down my throat. So... All right, let's uh, hear what's cute naturally. Okay, so these are all the runners-up, and we'll save the winner for the end. But there's a lot of okay. runners-up. Runner-up okay. number one, which is, this is going in order, so this is almost the almost pick, was Prickly Marmoset, which is a very cute little monkey with a porcupine back. Um, great little mustache on this monkey. A-plus monkey. Uh, runner-up. Congratulations. Another runner-up position goes to Essence Symbiote, which very easily could have one cutest card if it wasn't so angry in its art. You see the two little symbiotes behind it in the art? They are adorable. So if this Essence Symbiote was ever in a good mood, uh, think about it. You might win cutest card. So... That's just something to keep in mind. Um, Another cutest card runner-up. Congratulations to Zerda the Dawn Waker. This is a little fiery fox, and she is just beautiful. Um, I can't believe Zerda is this far down. Zerda is cute. (laughs) Zerda is cute, but I will also say that I think Zerda is um, beautiful. So, like, if you're beautiful, you just have a harder time being cute under my rules. (laughs) So, you know. Um, This one is also going to be a lot of contention um, why it's so far down the list, but it is on the list. And that is Kahira, the orphan guard. And the reason is because we're looking at Kahira itself and not a little orphans. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If this card was called is also beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. If it was called Kahira's orphans and they were the main focus of the card, they might win because there's a bunch of adorable little orphans in this art. Um, But as it stands, it is actually about Kahira. So you don't win. Um, also a runner up is the almighty Brushwag, which is a very cute little stick beast. Very, very cute. <laughs> Who I just love. And of course a callback in magic. So that gets it points yeah. as well. 27 or t- no, sorry. 23, 24 years. Yeah. 20. Yeah. yeah a long yeah. time. Um, Visions. another runner up yeah. that I love here is the Flycatcher Draffid, which, um, should surprise no one that I think it's cute. It's got a long bug catching oh, tongue. Yeah. A long neck and some cute antlers. All right, Maria. What? (laughs) You are just going crazy with these honors. You're just handing them out willy-nilly. How can I help it? There's so many. I didn't want to leave anyone out. I got two more. I got two more. 
Offspring's Revenge. You're a cute cat. Get on the list. You're a runner-up. And of course, Colossification, you're also on the list. You're very cute, but the fact wow. is you're also terrifying because you're a huge cat, so you can't you can't win because you're you're cute, but you're too big to be that cute. Um, wow. So you're like, what's even left, Maria? You've named half the set. What is cutest yes. card? Can I, can I guess? Go for it. Unbreakable Bond? Oh, no. It's not Unbreakable Bond. Uh, it, I want to take a look at that card, though. Hold on. Un- it's the cutest black card I've ever seen. Oh, I see what you're saying. It is very cute. Okay, that also gets a runner-up. Oh, oh <laughs> that one is so cute. It's like, what is that? Like a raccoon? Hugging a lady? I don't know. It's some, some giant scaly puppy thing, and she's fixing its paw. Oh. <laughs> and it has a little Pretty cute, Rob. Out. Pretty cute, but I don't know if it can beat the cutest card. What's the cutest card? We need to the, know. All right. The cutest card from Okoria Lair of Behemoths is, drumroll please, Farfinder. Farfinder. Let me look at this. Um, Farfinder. I am- Insulted that thieving otter is nowhere on this list. Yeah, thieving also, otter's fine. Also, sea octopus. How freaking dare you with that They're little fine. otter working so hard <laughs> to steal that bow? I can't believe you. Yeah, I I agree with you. Like that, I'm gonna get an artist proof of that. Put my artist proof CDH deck along with probably sea dasher octopus. Yes. Like, look, you know what, Rob? Look. That sea dasher octopus also very cute. Here's the thing. They're not on the list. What can I say? But we, <laughs> you better watch out. You're about She's to get like, violently overthrown. If you insist on maintaining this facade. Farfinder, though, I think easily takes the crown. Uh, oh, and lo- wow. It is an adorable little fox with antlers. It is a fox with antlers yeah. and it has little glowy bits flying off of it. Plus, plus, Megan, you don't want to forget this. The cutest card of all time of the year in which it was printed was Skittering Surveyor. Not only because it was cute, because of its ability. And this is Skittering Surveyor's ability. So that's even extra cute because the card has a cute ability and it's cute. Double cuteness. Farfinder, your cutest card. Well, everybody, that is our show this week. Oh, my goodness. I don't know the first. Is that the first time that I've ever been the person to say that phrase? Maybe. It might be. I don't know. We'd have to go back through the archives and search. Maybe somebody who's been listening to taking the GLH5 Everyday Challenge could tell us. Wow. I feel like it might be. You You almost always say that part. I almost do always. But Even as I was felt the urge and was possessed <laughs> to say it just now, I was like, this is very strange. But thank you. That's been our episode this week. <laughs> Big, massive, enormous thanks to Judge Rob for coming on and giving us all of his know-how about Ikoria and all of the tricky stuff you might encounter while mm-hmm. playing it at your release or pre-release this coming week. So thank you to Judge Rob. If you have more questions, remember to head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash goodluckhigh5. In the comments, I am hoping to get this video up um, by Wednesday, if not earlier, with all the card images. So if you want to follow along like that, you can. You can ask Judge Rob a question in the comments and he'll stop by for about a week afterwards to answer your questions that's just a service mm-hmm. he offers for being an excellent judge and a person in this community so go over there if you have more additional questions for a good friend judge rob yep and you know thank you thank you everybody as always uh thank you to everyone who is a patron thank you to our really amazing uh family and sponsors over at card kingdom 
thank you for being here with us during this quarantine time. And hopefully um, you feel like we're there with you during this quarantine time because, boy, it's rough and it's okay to be feeling rough about it. That's right. And we're going to try our best to keep bringing some levity and some humor and some smiles to your life, to your magical life here through our two podcasts, The Upkeep and Good Luck High Five. And this week, especially, Mm -hmm. we're going to be everywhere on the Internet so you can hang out with us on our stream for the early release on Wednesday. That's twitch.tv slash GLHF magic. You can also find us at the post pre-release with Loading Ready Run on Saturday. We're going to be closing out the day. So they're they're kicking things off early, I think, at 9 a.m. Pacific. But Megan and I are the last two guests. So if you want to check in later on the stream, like watch the whole thing, but we'll be at the end, Mm -hmm. just FYI. And have a lot of fun out there, everybody, playing, whether you're playing at home with some pre-release kits ordered from your LGS, or if you're heading out Arena or Magic Online, or if you're an Asian, you're actually playing with the cards in a store, however you play, best of luck out there. And uh, please, everyone, continue to stay safe. Yes, stay away from other people. (laughs) 